CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us, as we always are. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective, how it all ties in to what the Bible says, and what we hear in church isn't even in the Bible at all. And so if you've been reading your Bible, sharing your faith, someone's asked you a question or you have a question, that number to call again, 88 88 Ask CSN. We have some lines open, so you're sure to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker here on on um, weekdays, Daryl Skinner, uh, Chosen Generation in the Morning Times from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Welcome. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all listeners out there. Great to be with you. Looking forward to the program as usual and the great calls that come in from the, all the listeners and uh, I just love to hear people wanting to learn and to grow in their faith, fall deeper in love with Jesus, know the Word of God. Uh, you know, Jesus shared with us, uh, as you know, Mike, uh, to do spiritual warfare, uh, we have to use the Word of God against the temptations of the devil. And that's why it's so vitally important to be growing in God's Word. Jesus said three times to the devil when he was tempted there in the wilderness, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that Word of God is a sword. Uh, it's a sword of the Spirit. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And it's just uh, glorious to be in God's Word. So, folks, whatever questions you have, we're here for you. We'll do our very best, of course. And we'll try to answer your questions about the Word of God, about life, about the Bible, Bible prophecy, whatever it might be. And, Mike, I'm always excited to be on with you and the whole team there at uh, Tavern Man and Answer. They do such a phenomenal job each and every week. And uh, so... We're just, I'm just ready to go, man. Let's do it. Amen. Uh, for all those that are in the Las Vegas area, we are now on 91.9 in the Las Vegas area to uh, um, cause the station to work a little better there. So uh, 80, uh, 90.1, I believe it is, where CSN used to be is now the effect. And so, but I think you'll really enjoy uh, 91.9 is the signal should be greatly improved there for us there in the Las Vegas area. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. We're going to go to Anthony in Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. How may we help? Yes, I have. A, I want to have a clear understanding about a scripture that uh, me and some brothers at work been talking about like several months about the life of Paul and after Paul was born again. And um, I know that scriptures that Paul say, who I am, chief of, of sinners. And he also called himself ratchet. And I know he struggled with his flesh and everything. And I know that in the King James, it's some, it says some things about something he practiced. Like, you know, like, like he's admitting to doing things wrong. Now, look, I want to give you a clear understanding. Did Paul attentively walk in the flesh, like practicing after he was born again? No, I believe that what we find when Paul says, as sinners, I am chief, I believe that not only did it really bother him the way he persecuted the church uh, before he became a Christian, 
But I also believe the closer you get to God, the more you realize His holiness, the more of a sinner you realize you are. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. And that goes, I believe, for Christians as well. In fact, this body that we all live in is going to die. It's under the curse. It will It will eventually, um, if it isn't raptured, it will be buried. Now, the good news is we have new life in Jesus Christ. That's one of the great things about being born again, is that not only do you get a new body, but you get all your sins forgiven. But the problem is, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, and we make him a liar. Now, we have to understand a couple of things here, that because we're in an old sin nature, that doesn't mean we give into it, but that means we as Christians have to realize we have a real battle every day to keep our old fleshly desires under, our thought patterns under, all these things, because by nature, we're sinners. Now, God has given us a new nature, and that's true, and that is wonderful, and if we walk in the Spirit, we don't have a problem. But it's when we walk in the flesh, and how quick can we move from walking in the Spirit into the flesh? About a finger snap, because we understand that we are still on this earth in a world with sin, in a in a body that's under a sinful curse. Now, you say, well, I don't believe that, Mike. Well, you know, you're driving home from church. You just got off of, uh, you know, being in the heavenlies, uh, worshiping and everything. Some guy cut you off, and you let a four-letter explicitive leave your mouth, or you get angry, or you go, oh, I wish I could get that guy. You know, and, and that's anger. So we have to remember that We need to be angry, but we need to be angry at the things God is angry about. Be angry and sin not, James tells us. So we want to understand that we live our life so that we can do the very best for God. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, as as we look to what it says in the book of Acts chapter 8, it says that Saul, at that time his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, he raised havoc within the church. And the word havoc is speaking of, he was like a savage animal, and he was there having Christians killed. He was there having them thrown in prison, men, women, and children for their faith in Jesus Christ. And when he looks to himself, he says, I was the chief of sinners, man. I was, I, I here I was supposed to be representing God through Judaism and the law, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And yet I was denying the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus. And I was persecuting the body of Christ, which is all the believers and this is the way he saw himself. In fact, in Galatians, he writes about it in Galatians 1.17. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And this is why he says, man, I, I just was doing such horrible, horrible things to the body of Christ, to the Lord Jesus and the believers in him. And that's why he's saying, I, I just feel like I'm the chief of sinners. And we could all understand that. There are many things that we've all done in life and we so deeply regret because now that we've come to Christ, we've come to the love and the grace and the mercies of God. We all of a sudden realize that, man, why, why was I so deceived? Why was I doing such immoral things? Why was I so uh, mean spirited or ugly, you know, and so forth? Uh, because we didn't know Christ. But once you come to know Christ and his love, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to produce fruit. The love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the kindness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, 
and self-control. Righteousness also. And so we're born again and our lives have changed now, but we can surely look back at our past and say, oh my gosh, what a mess I was, What a how I messed things up for other people and for myself. And uh, we can understand why Paul himself would refer to himself as the chief of sinners because he did such damage in the very beginning to the church. But then, you know, he recovered and he's reconciled to God and he did an incredible work for the Lord Jesus. So whatever Paul did, he was 100% get up and go for it, man. And whether it's persecution or propagating the gospel, he's 100%, no doubt about it, he's ready to go. Mike? Yeah, we find, uh, again, uh, Paul saying, he said, and I'll just read this for you. It says, this is a faithful saving worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It doesn't say I was chief. He said, I am chief. And I believe that, again, we, we understand that when you get closer to the Lord, you begin to realize what a sinner you are. Um, and I believe this is what drives a, a believer into the arms of Jesus, because in him is the only place where we find forgiveness and reconciliation to the Father. Anthony, I hope that helps. Uh, yeah, it, it did. It, it is the, the only thing that kind of kind of confused me is like in Romans when he says that how he was battling with his flesh, the things that he didn't want to do, but the evil that was prison, that's what he did. In the King mm-hmm. James, it says practice. That's the part that threw me off. Like, what do you mean that he was the thing that he practiced in, in the King James? Like, it sounded like he was willfully doing that. That's the kind of like I, the misunderstanding I guess I'm getting. Any last thoughts on that? Well, in Romans 7, he talks about the struggle that we all go through as as people because uh, Satan wants to dominate us. Uh, Satan wants us to return back to him. But it, we get to chapter 8, and he says the following, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So it's important for us that we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We we all battle. We all battle. There's no doubt about it. I battle. Mike battles. We all battle uh, with our flesh, with the, the culture, with the world, with the devil. We're in spiritual warfare. That's why we're told to put on the full armor of God. Uh, but I can't excuse myself for sinful ways, sinful thoughts, sinful actions, even though we battle. And we take it to the cross of Christ. We ask forgiveness. And then we want to repent of those sins. That means, Lord, I don't want to keep thinking this way, talking this way, acting this way. I want to turn from them and I want to be uh, a better Christian, uh, a better Christian, a follower of you, Lord Jesus, a better disciple. And I just, I just need your help daily. And I want to keep getting into your word and be obedient to the word of God. But every single Christian, no matter who they are, uh, they, we all battle with the flesh. We all battle with the devil and the influences of our world. But we are overcomers. The Bible says we overcome by our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we turn to him, he will help us with all of our struggles. You know, it's very interesting. I'll end here. But Jesus says something that's so powerful. He says, you have not because you ask not. And so many times, not only do we repent of our sins, but we ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to show me the way to overcome this bad habit, whatever it might be, the sinful practice. And he will help you. He will guide you and help you. But it still takes a volition of our will. We have to make a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus, as the expression goes. I have decided to follow him, believe in him, 
and let him use my life for his glory, for his honor, his praise. And I will not continue to practice that lifestyle of sin or that sinful habit any longer. And that's a, that's a powerful work that God will do in our lives as we want to be obedient to the word of God and dedicated to our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that helps, my friend. Mike? Yes, hope that helps, Anthony. Yeah, it it, it helps, and uh, it gave me an understanding because, you know, they get a whole lot of relief because, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy sometimes. <laughs> so, well, no, uh, that's right. And, and remember, here's the thing we have to remember. Sin never does us good. It always hurts us. That's why it's sin. It isn't that God's a cosmic killjoy, doesn't want us to have any fun. It's that God knows more about lifestyles, things, people, and places than we do. And we think, oh, no, this isn't going to hurt me. This looks okay. But remember, God uh, knows the uh, the end from the beginning. He knows it all. And he goes, no, you live in that kind of lifestyle. Go out and hang around with those kind of people. Be around those kinds of, of, of situations that will cause you to compromise your relationship with God. It's going to hurt you. You're the loser. Sin doesn't hurt God. Sin hurts us. God loves us so much. Don't do that, honey. It's going to leave a mark. Oh, I'll be all right. I'm going to do what I want to do because I think it isn't going to hurt in the end. God's always right, and we're always wrong. And that's one of the great things that we have to understand, that we oftentimes think that we can do things the Bible says don't do, and the outcome is going to be different than what the Bible says it is. Well, that's a real problem, because then we're saying, I'm smarter than you are, God. And so, no, it isn't going to hurt me to do this. It isn't going to hurt me to do that, only to find out it not only hurt us, it almost killed us. So, again, very careful, little decisions every day, contrary to the will of God, can lead us down paths of complete darkness in years to come. So that's why we want to walk every day close to the Lord. And I believe when Paul was talking about these things, I'm sure that he, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that he really had a lot of remorse in his life for what he did uh, to the church, just as you said, Daryl. So stay in line, Anthony. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Okay, thanks. God bless you, Anthony. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Dennis in Creston, Iowa. Hi, welcome. Hello, pastors. Good day. How may we help? Uh, just wondered if you've heard of a magazine and a website. Oh, a friend turned me onto this, and I knew it was bogus from the beginning, but I uh, just thought I'd make it aware of tomorrow's world. Or is it the world tomorrow? No, it's tomorrow's world. Okay. Tomorrow'sworld.org. They they preach a different doctrine. They preach that, uh, oh, you, you can only worship on one day of the week, and, and oh. I'm not sure whether it was Saturday or Sunday, and then uh, – that you, if you missed missed hearing of God, you you have a chance to come back and and profess your sin to God, and and there's other stuff there, but yeah, I started reading it. Well, I, I'm not familiar with this now. Maybe you are, Daryl, but it sounds, Dennis, that you have familiarized yourself enough with God's Word to know that we have the liberty to worship Christ every day. 
Sunday through Saturday. It doesn't, that doesn't hurt anything. We know that, that as far as God forgiving our sins, God always forgives our sins. But after we die, uh, after this life in Hebrews 9, it says is the judgment. There's no coming back, second chance to have your sins forgiven, anything like that. So the idea of purgatory, baptism for the dead, anything after a person dies is a moot point. You cannot uh, buy um, indulgences uh, for your lost uh, dead loved ones. You cannot. All these different ideas that these religions try to in some way uh, say, oh, well, there's a check, a second chance for Uncle Fred, or we'll pray him out of purgatory, or we'll, there is no such thing as purgatory. It's not in the Bible. It's all made up. And so this is an important thing that we have to realize. Again, Hebrews 9, it's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. And Dennis, it sounds like you've already pretty much picked up on some kind of unusual things, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, our Lord Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, he himself gives us an historical event of Abraham and, of course, Lazarus, who died at the, uh, he, he died with sores and so forth at the gate of the rich man. The Bible says that Lazarus had faith in God. He went to Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise, and he was comforted. Whereas the rich man, when he dies, who had no faith in God, he goes to Hades, a place of torment. And he, and Jesus shares this story, and he says this. He says, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, speaking to the rich man, you receive good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted and you are tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And it's important to realize this is a story that Jesus, an historical event of two people dying, also the life of Abraham after he's gone in, into eternal paradise. And this is the story that Jesus shares. And so if anyone ever says that you go to a purgatory, as Mike said, or you can be baptized for the dead and, and your relative can be proxied in, uh, it's false. It's a false teaching. And to say that people who didn't hear the gospel, God is in the salvation business. He makes sure everybody hears his message, no matter what, by the power of creation, by the law of God written in every human heart, by by the conscience, and if anybody wants to know him, he's gonna he's gonna send a dream or an angel or a missionary, and he's gonna save him. But uh, man is sold out to sin, unfortunately, and he in his desire and his quest to be filled with his own personal pride to believe there is no God, he'll send himself to hell. Is God sending people? Help? People send themselves to hell because they choose to reject the knowledge of God in all these things, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ. And his power, powerful love he has to offer them. But Jesus shared this story. He says, Hey, look, you can't pass over. You can, you're going to go from Hades to paradise. And there's no way. And this is, this is the fallacy of those that teach that there's a second chance after death. And Mike quoted that verse quite uh, well, where it says, as, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, Hebrews 9 27. That's the facts. And uh, we have to realize that this is it. But God is in the salvation business, even that thief on the cross, the very last, you know, the, the last moments of his life. Here he is getting saved. And today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the love of Jesus to the nth degree. Mike? Yeah. And as you say, um, if that's what, what they're saying, then, then of course that's not right. 
I am not familiar with Tomorrow's World, so I really can't, nor can Daryl no, comment on it. But but uh, again, Dennis, it sounds like you're researching it and continue to research it. I think that's going to be really important uh, because I know people are influenced by these different ideas that are out there. And again, uh, to earnestly contend for the faith, I believe, is so important in the days we're in. I hope that helps. Yes, very much. I do. Uh, I, I uh, mentioned right away when he said that of, he was referring to of of the Indians or the Indias or at the beginning of time the the ancient people and and even then I mentioned Romans one twenty that uh, that even uh, the creation as you were saying the things from creation there uh, the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even in his eternal power and Godhead so that they're without men are without excuse. But Yeah, I, I mean, even nature speaks of the majesty and the glory of God. And um, I believe if, if anyone will seek to know him, the Bible says, when you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I believe that simply, that just simply means that God will make a way. If you're endeavoring to know him, he will make a way to reveal himself to you. And so, Dennis, I hope that helps. Um, stay in line. Send you out something good that I think you'll enjoy. Some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus. Stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Thank you. God bless you, Dennis. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Dave, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. How you guys saving Good. How may we help, yeah. Dave? I listen to a local radio program here, uh, here in Baton Rouge. I won't mention the name, but uh, the pastor was livid about uh, speaking in tongue. Um, I was curious of your guys' thoughts about that, especially like now. You well, I believe gifts of tongues are, are just one of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Also explained further in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the real work of the Holy Spirit, we understand, is to empower the believer to do things when together or independent uh, to glorify God. We have the word of knowledge. We have the gifts of healing. We have gift of helps, all different kinds of gifts. The gift of tongues is just simply another one of those gifts. Now, the Bible says to desire earnestly the best gifts. Now, the best gifts aren't necessarily tongues. And if somebody says everybody prays in tongues, that is exactly what the Bible says is not true. We find this in the last couple of verses of chapter 12. Do all pray in tongues? Do all have the gift of healing? Whenever a question is asked in the negative in the Greek, the answer is always negative. It's like you looking at your children and saying, do you want me to spank you? Well, of course, the answer is no. This is the same thing Paul saying. But if you don't have the gift of tongues, you'll have one of the other gifts if you've asked God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Now, one of the greatest gifts, the Bible tells us in Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about this love, this is where God does something supernatural within us. Because by nature, people around us that are going to hell, oh, well, that's, you know, I'm saved, too bad about you kind of attitude. Or I've been around people that are really nasty and go, you're going to hell? Good, you deserve that. That's not what God's heart is. But when we really look, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives us a love for him 
and a love for the lost world supernaturally. How will they hear without a teacher, the Bible says? Well, somebody has to be supernaturally inspired to want to go and tell them. So really, I believe the gift of the Holy Spirit is this burning desire to know God, to go deeper with him, to spread the gospel, preach the gospel, and then he empowers us with these different gifts to do those very things. As I mentioned, desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? What has God called you to do is going to determine what the best gift is for you. Now, again, if you're ministering, if you're a pastor or whatever, uh, the word of knowledge would be really great to be able in your sermon to identify what somebody's going through uh, in their life, almost to the letter. If you're a missionary, maybe the gift of healing would be really important as you demonstrate the power of God where there aren't local hospitals and other things. I believe God heals uh, even though hospitals are available. But I'm saying if you're in the jungle or as an example, perhaps miracles, the gift of miracles. Now you say, well, what's the gift of miracle? Isn't healing a gift of miracle? Well, yeah, it is. But really, it's more along the lines of supernatural things like multiplying the loaves and fishes or Jesus walking on the water or those kinds of miracles. And those are a gift sometimes that oftentimes, uh, in many instances, as I've read over the years and talked to missionaries, it was the very difference whether the village would listen to what they had to say or reject them and try to kill them. So I, I really believe the gift of the Spirit manifest differently in different people's lives. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Well, by the very nature of that statement, they all didn't. I wish everybody had a million dollars, but they don't. I wish you all spoke in tongues. But more, he said, that you would speak under the anointing of God, that you would prophesy. Now, not to foretell, but to forthtell. In other words, that when you speak, you would speak words, not just dead orthodoxy, they can be true, but lacking power that they would go into a person's heart. I think a lot of ministers today, they may have their doctrine right, but there's no fire in what they're saying. Remember, if you're not sold on what you're selling, they're not going to be. And so I really believe that there's that unction that comes from God that makes the words connect, as Jesus did, as Paul did. We remember they gave a, a sermon and they said we were cut to the heart. Wow, that's a direct hit. When we come back, Daryl, I want your thoughts on this. And uh, so important, this power of the Holy Spirit. Coming up on that break, we'll be back for more right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes, maybe now. 
is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable e-book called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. here on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we went to the break. We're speaking with Dave about hearing a radio show talking about how believers have to speak in tongues. Dave, is that right, or was he saying it's just one of the gifts of the Spirit? He pretty much uh, more or less said if you didn't or haven't been or seen, you're going to the wrong church, more or less, because uh, I've... Uh, I'm 61 years old, and I've never heard anybody ever speak in tongues. So I'm just curious. Well, I've, I've heard some other things. They they even go so far to say, unless you can speak in tongues, you're not even saved. Wow, that's really some heresy out there. Your thoughts? I think it's important for people to realize when Jesus was uh, sharing with us out of out – of, he's, re- he's died on the cross, he's resurrected – he shared with the disciples what it's going to be like when they get filled with the promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says in Acts 1.8, he says, but you shall receive power, that dunamis power, which speaks of the ability to do whatever God wants you to do. You, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be what? Here's the key. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does it mean to be born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God? It means that you're going to testify that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You're going to share about, you're going to share the gospel message with people, how Jesus died on the cross, how he rose from the grave, how we all need to come to him for salvation. See, this is what it means to be a witness. Babbling in tongues, it's a nice gift. Paul says it edifies yourself there in Corinthians chapter 14. But he says, I'd rather speak five words with a known language than 10,000 words in an unknown language where no one will really understand me. And that message uh, that we have is to be a witness of Jesus Christ as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. All, all, all the other stuff, like those nine gifts that Mike was uh, sharing, they're beautiful, wonderful gifts, they're powerful gifts uh, out of 1 Corinthians 12. But the Bible says there, as you conclude that little passage about the nine gifts, it then says, and the Spirit will divide those gifts severally as he wills. So if 
this Holy Spirit wants you to be operational in some of those gifts at different times in your lives. He will distribute that gift for you, be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a discerning of spirits. It could be the gift of miracles, gifts of healings. Uh, it could be uh, uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation thereof, and so forth. But it's up to the Spirit of God to do it. But it's not, none of that is determined on your salvation. True salvation is found that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You come to faith in Him. And then you will automatically begin to share your faith with others that Christ died for your sins. He loves you. He loves them. He wants to save them also. Mike? Amen. So I hope that answers it for you, Dave. Yes, it does. Pretty much. I just, uh, so have you heard people speak in tongues? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's real. Um, uh, again, those that pray in an unknown tongue pray to God, not to man. The gift of tongues was never given so that the apostles could go out and preach sermons in foreign languages. That is a fallacy. It is not in the Bible. Very clearly, as we go to first occurrence of in the Bible, which is Acts chapter 2, concerning the gift of tongues, they were all worshiping and glorifying God. Now, again, this is a, 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 an important thing because people say, well, that was just so we could bridge the language barriers. No, that is not what it says in the Bible uh, concerning preaching sermons to other nations. The Bible says that those that pray in an unknown tongue, the purpose is that really when somebody hears it, uh, it's a sign for the unbeliever. This is what 1 Corinthians 14 says. And if you can, if you, and you have to remember back then it was very multilingual. Uh, we remember above the cross of Jesus, it said, here's the king of the Jews in three separate languages. Um, so if you were in a meeting uh, of Greeks, for instance, uh, and, and you were a Hebrew and you were there in this group of Greeks and all of a sudden you hear somebody praying and you hear them praying in perfect Hebrew, you go, Wow, how in the world does that happen? This person doesn't know Hebrew. Well, that's exactly the purpose for it. They heard him worshiping and glorifying God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, some place where the Bible says, let two or three in the church speak in tongues, let one interpret. The word there in the Greek is the word to explain fully, not to translate to another language. That's another separate Greek word. If anyone prays in an unknown tongue, also in 1 Corinthians 14, let him pray that he may interpret. That word means to translate to a different language so people can understand. That's okay. Now, we remember back in Acts chapter 2, where they said, ah, oh, they're all drunk with wine. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but they're all stoned. Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you think, but they're filled with the Spirit. Um, he explained what they were doing, not what they were saying. And uh, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, there in the day of Pentecost, 120, they, they spoke in these various languages of all the people that had come from all the nations of the world. And the Bible says when they spoke in the various dialectus, the various dialects of all these people from all the other nations of the world, all the Jews that had come to the Feast of Pentecost, which they guesstimate between two to three million people would show up when there'd be a feast going on. And so they spoke to them. The, it says they spoke the wonderful works of God. And so in each of those dialectus, those languages, they were speaking forth 
the wonderful works of God, how God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, uh, uh, and, and so forth. And he died on the cross for our sins. He's the Messiah, the Mashiach. And it's, his name is Yeshua, Jesus, and he's the Savior. So we're not given exactly what they said other than they spoke the wonderful works of God. So there's two things we look at. One is the witness and the wonderful works of God. So when we when we witness, we will also speak of the wonderful works of God for each and every one of us, and it's a great blessing. So, but it's really it's really important for us to realize God wants us to be soul winners and disciples. And the gift of your personal prayer language or tongues is to edify yourself. And you. uh, it, but the power power of God is is preaching the gospel. That's where people's lives are changed from going to hell. They're going to go to heaven. They're going to be born again of the Holy Spirit. They come to faith in Christ. That's the most powerful thing anybody could ever do is share your testimony and share Christ and witness and win them to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Dave. Yes, it did. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. God bless you. If you like, send you out books, DVDs, and a movie Jesus for you. Great for uh, Bible studies. Great for evangelism. Let's go to RW, Mount Shasta, California. Hi, welcome. Hey, pastors. Hey, great to talk to you. Hey, I got two questions for you, but first I want to thank you for your ministries. I started at 4.30 in the morning with Pastor Daryl. (laughs) That's early. On the West Coast, you know, of course. (laughs) There you go. Right on, man. God bless you. Yeah, and you guys' ministry is making a difference. Well, that's good. Thank you, bro. We're we're blessed. It's making a great difference. You know, it just gives you a desire for the lost. Yeah, it does. And it's beautiful. So the two questions I have is um, when, of course, we know that as believers, when we are absent from the body, present with the Lord, so if when an unbeliever dies, um, where do, do they immediately go? Or their soul and spirit go somewhere, and that's the question number one. And then I'm gonna, and I'm going to ask you one more, and then I'm going to sign off. Question number two is explain a little bit more the difference between the soul and the spirit, because in Ecclesiastes it says that the spirit will return to God who gave it, but then mm-hmm. there's other places where the soul and spirit are tied together. So I'm going to leave you with that and let you guys have your wisdom. Come forth and thank you. Well, R.W., thanks so much for the call, and uh, may the Lord keep you in his love and just keep reading. Keep being a light that shines. Um, one of the things that we find uh, Jesus said when a person dies, if they die in faith, uh, before Jesus died on the cross, they went to Abraham's bosom. However, the worldly, the Bible says, go to a place called Sheol. Now, we usually use the word hell, but it's not the eternal lake of fire. They go waiting the great white throne judgment. And just because a person dies does not stop the evil things that they started when they were alive on this earth. You think of the people that started a cult. Maybe there was only a couple dozen. Now there's millions. Think about the people who perpetrate a known lie, like evolution, trying to talk people out of their faith in God. I look at that as a very serious um Uh, offense against God, because again, maybe at one time, maybe people could believe it. But now that we know about DNA, we have no transitional life forms, we have no living, uh, living uh, or fossilized uh, transitional life forms, you know, a horse turning into a, uh, a giraffe or anything like this, they don't exist. There should be millions of them alive today and also fossilized. 
There aren't any. It's a lie. But people teach this stuff as if, if it's true. And somewhere these people know whether it's true or not. This is one of the reasons I, and, and if you have ever heard me get upset, and I want to apologize to everybody because I don't, I don't dislike anybody. Uh, I, I, I get upset sometimes with the cults, not that a person is in a cult because they were just misled, but somewhere in the higher echelon of these cults, they know it's made up. They know it's a lie. They know as they change the Bible and they revise the Bible, taking more scriptures away that speak of the deity of Jesus Christ, such as the New World Version. In 2012, uh, they had their book. In 2013, they revised the New World Version with 10% less words. Well, if we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, somebody in the higher echelon of the Jehovah's Witnesses know they've been doing some serious tampering with God's word. And so as we look down through the ages of other revisions of theirs, of the New World Version, the list goes on and on. In these these cults, they know, someone knows it's made up. But they just keep on keeping on. And that, I think, is a real problem. I believe when they died, just as Jesus spoke of the rich man going to Sheol, awaiting the great white throne judgment, when that person's works through the history of time will come to full fruition. Again, maybe only a couple dozen people in a cult when they started. Now millions. Deliberately misled by a person who lied to everyone. I believe that these people are going to do that. And again, I'm not mad at any person in a cult. We've all been lied to. I've been lied to in my life. So I understand it. When I get upset and people sometimes hear me, I, I don't, I don't wish to offend anybody, but I am saying somewhere in the higher echelons of these religious organizations, they know it's bogus. They know it's a lie. They know the hypocrisy and they keep on keeping on anyway. Really a tragedy. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Mike hit it on the head when a non-believer dies at that historical event that we shared earlier in the program in Luke 16. Uh, you have Abraham, Abraham's bosom, uh, which is paradise, uh, and you have uh, Lazarus who would go there. Now, Jesus gives specific names, so we know it's not a parable. Uh, it's their specific names they're given. It's an historical event of the past. And he says there's Abraham and there's Lazarus. Now, when the rich man dies, we don't have a name for the rich man. Why? Because he never came to faith in God looking to the Messiah to come and save his soul. We looked to the Messiah that came and has saved our soul. Now, why is his name not mentioned? Because Jesus says, all the workers of iniquity, he says, I, I don't know you. He, you're not, your name's not registered in heaven. You're not one of mine. And the Bible says there, it says that the rich man was found, when he died, he was found in torments in Hades. So immediately a non-believer will go to Hades, a place of torment, waiting for the final judgment, as Mike was just sharing, which is going to be the great white throne judgment. Books will be opened on people's lives. All the evil they spoke and did, they will be judged for, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire where there is weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. It's a place of outer darkness where the worm dieth not. This is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. How much does God not want people to go there? He wants it so badly that he sent his only begotten son to die bloody death upon the cross for our sins and to save us. 
So people send themselves, but the Lord will not know their name. He's, he's just say, I, I don't know you because you're a worker of iniquity. You're not one of mine. You're not registered in the Lamb's book of life and, and you're done. But, and then they will face the final judgment of hell. And there's no second chances. Please. There are no second chances once you die. Come to faith in Jesus Christ right now. If you're listening right now and you've never given your heart to Christ, come to him right now. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior and get saved before it's too late for your soul. Uh, cause you never know when you're going to die. A heart attack, a brain aneurysm, a car crash. Crazy things happen to people all the time, every day. Come to Christ right now. Give your heart to him and he'll save you. He's got a great plan for your life, not only for today, but for tomorrow and for eternity. Mike, I'll give it back. Yeah, oh, the Bible says one last thing. The, the difference, the spirit and the soul, the difference was another question. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Spirit is the life that's given to us. And the soul that you have is your personhood. It's your personality. It's, it's baked into who you are. Uh, you know, we know everybody by their, we, we see them in the flesh, but we also know them by their personhood and who they're, what they're all about and so forth. And so that's the spirit and the soul. And yes, uh, they're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to, Hades waiting for the final judgment being cast into the lake of fire. Mike, I give it back to you. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, again, it's funny that in the Bible it says, and when Lazarus died, the angels came and got him. Yep. The Bible says when the rich man died, he was buried. Wow. It, <laughs> yeah, you want a good entry into heaven, I'll tell you. That's an important part. But uh, no, I hope that answers it for you. And uh, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Brandy in Idaho. Hi, welcome. Okay. Hello. Um, so I have a question about um, my I have, my friend has a daughter that she's has like the belief of like the new age belief on the second coming. And she really doesn't know the Bible much. I tried to explain to her what I understood it to be, what the Bible says. But she says she doesn't believe she has a problem with Bible because it's been written, rewritten so many times. And what would you say to somebody that has the um, new age beliefs on um um, the second coming and the rapture and, well, I guess the Bible. <laughs> well, first of all, the New Age movement is is a, just a hodgepodge of all kinds of crazy ideas. Uh, we're on the dawning of the age of Aquarius or John Lennon's no heaven above us, no hell beneath us, above us only sky. Well, that's a big lie. And if the devil can make people believe that, that uh, we're just a passing through, there is no God, uh, I'm God, you're God, we're all gods, uh, then really morality has no value. Uh, because uh, who's to say that murdering people is wrong? Well, I, I don't think it's wrong, and nobody believes that. Well, all of a sudden now, is everybody establishing the laws of what is good and evil? So what if all of society says it's okay to murder your next-door neighbor? Uh, um, uh, does that make it okay? So there has to be some moral compass tied to human civilization. And the idea that man makes his own rules, this is a scary thing because the Bible says when men do what's right in their own eyes, it's an evil thing. Now, when a person says, well, I believe that it's just going to get better and better and we're going to usher in the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with that. There's not one weapon that man has ever invented that he's not used. When you think of the super weapons that North Korea, Iran, is building right now, the world is not on a chart for a path for global peace. It's on a, uh, on a chart for world destruction. Now, the Antichrist is going to unite the world. 
with a one-world monetary system, one-world religion, one-world set of rules. All these things are coming about. But there are going to be foes even to that. And we remember it's exemplified in the Battle of Armageddon where the kings of the East come, who evidently didn't buy into completely what the Antichrist game was. So we do know that we're not on the dawn of the age of Aquarius. And when we really examine what the Bible says, what part of the Bible has not come true? Who would ever dream Revelation chapter 13 would be on the horizon that we could see where buying and selling with numbers is going to be the only way you're going to be a buy and sell? When we understand that, again, um, uh, buying and selling with numbers 100 years ago was unheard of. But now it's the norm. Very few people even carry cash anymore. It's all on a card. Now imagine that card number being tattooed on you. And by tattooing that number on you, you're selling your allegiance to the the world system. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. Uh, the Bible says that every living thing on the in the sea dies. Uh, that's not the age of Aquarius. When we when we really look at what's going on in the world. Uh, I think a person has to be willfully blind. And what I mean by that, to, to things that they clearly can see, to deny that the world is on a collision course with something. Uh, America's debt is, is the highest any country in the world has ever had. They keep printing money. There is no gross national product, gold, silver, to back up all this funny money that they're printing, which, by the way, is waging war on the American citizen. You realize that your 401ks and your retirements and all those kinds of things, they're destroying it. Our government is destroying your retirement by reckless spending. There's no other way around it. There's never been a place in the history of the world that a country has spent its way out of debt. Doesn't happen, friends. We just keep going farther and farther until someday, soon, they're going to say, no more funny money. We're not buying your chili. And America is going to go into some things that it has never known before. So understanding these things, I think a person that's embraced the New Age movement is simply really unaware of a real world. Well, we're just going to do away with all of our nukes, man, like peace, love, and, you know, dope. You know, that's what I'm into, you know. Well, let me tell you something. You might get rid of your weapons, but Iran, North Korea, and these underdeveloped nations that are developing them, they're not getting rid of theirs. And you see, this is the great problem people don't understand. Your thoughts? Yeah, one thing I would do, Brandy, also is is to challenge her. You know, she makes this wild statement that the Bible's been rewritten so many times. Uh, why is it not still accurate? Uh, it's it's was very careful carefully rewritten. We found the, the book of Isaiah there, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it matches the what we have in the Bible itself. Uh, I love what Peter says. He says, "And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed." as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they are moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is is in, it's written by God. It's given to us by the Spirit of God, uh, written through uh, men wrote it, and, and as it's it's been it's been looked at it's been scrutinized over and over and over again 
and they can't find the errors. There are no errors in the Bible. People just parrot uh, what they hear by some professor in college or school. They prefer what they hear on, parrot what they hear on the radio by some non-believer, and they just parrot these things, but they have no research. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was a young believer, I read a book by Josh McDowell, a good, strong Christian believer, and he, he set out when he went to college, he set out to destroy the Bible and destroy Christianity. And that was his thesis that he was going to come up with. But the more research he did, the more digging he did, the more, uh, uh, looking at all the evidence that was there from what was written and how it was uh, transcribed and so forth and translated. He ended up becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. And he wrote two little booklets. Uh, they're actually not little. They're rather large, but the both of them on evidence that demands, they're called evidence that demands a verdict part one and part two. And he went through and he says, the Bible is absolutely factual. It is true. The cities, the places, the dates, everything is factual. And they all point to a savior. His name is Jesus. So uh, good stuff right there. And, uh, you know, just continue to carry on a conversation with her, but don't let her get away with this parroting somebody uh, with nonsense. Just challenge, say, well, show me what, what do you mean by, uh, it's been translated. You can't trust the Bible. Show me and make her think because, you know, the devil doesn't want people to think and he's a great deceiver. And uh, we have to challenge him with these crazy statements that they make because we have the word of truth right before us. It's absolute and it's sure without error. And it's all sufficient. Mike, I'll give it back to you. And what I like to ask him is if it's an error, what part is an error? Yeah. What part don't you agree with? You, you think man is not sinful by nature? Have you seen the debauchery of man? So I, I really believe that you can ask some good questions. I'll send you some books, DVDs that I think will really help her, especially if you can get her to watch God of Wonders. I think that's going to be a really great video for her. Uh, and just say, watch it. Tell me what's wrong with it. Uh, you know, watch it objectively. And Brandy, I'll get those out to you, okay? All right. Thank you. God bless God you. God bless you, dear. And, and uh, get a hold of those because I think they're going to really, they're really going to, to, um, to answer a lot of those questions. Also, a little book called Time to Grow. I answer a lot of questions in that. Stay in line. We'll get that out to you. We have Angie and Peter on the line, but we're out of time. Um, why does this hour go so fast? It does go fast. Daryl, I, I just want to once again uh, encourage everybody, tune in to Daryl's program in the Morning Times uh, Chosen Generation here on CSN. And also... Uh, his um, his program on the weekend. We look forward to always hearing from you, Daryl. And again, for those that called in, please call us first thing. We will put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting, I promise. And um, so you just call back and we'll have you on and uh, look forward to being back with you, Daryl. Always a blessing. A bless. Thank you. Blessings to you. And again, just want to remind you, keep looking up for redemption draws nigh. God bless you. Have a good night, y'all. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. 
The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 